0: Hathimo Sassana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
1: All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. It's 8 after um, 11 o'clock. Again, I'm going to kick off this hour by saying I'm so sorry for um, all of the difficulties that you have been experiencing when it comes to um, our frequency this morning, our signal, uh, Centech is on it. They are making sure that they're fixing it, at least for those parts of the country that have been affected. We'll continue with the show, and we're going to be looking at um, research that has been done by Dr. Megan Cole, um, and she's a research fellow at the, the University of Cape Town. We're speaking about mine closures and really the impact of mine closures. It's something that is very relevant for our uh, society because we know that there has been uh, this push, I think, globally for a move to cleaner and more green, um, uh, more green um, energy. And what that then is meaning is that we also have to change. Um, some of the ways in which we produce energy, but it of course will have a significant impact, especially for our mining communities. Dr. Megan Cole, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time this morning.
2: Good morning, Kathy. Thanks for having me.
1: And Biza Mudubadze is a regional chairperson of the National Union of Mine Workers in the Highveld. Biza, good morning.
0: Good morning, Kathy, and uh, good morning to our listeners.
1: Dr. Megan, I want to just start with you. If you can talk to us about really what pushed for this research, um, where did it come from?
2: Yeah, this came from the recognition that mine closure is inevitable in South Africa, um, but we really need more granular data and information about where is closure going to happen, when is it going to happen, and who and what will be affected. Back closure.
1: It does, of course, help concretize the conversation in in many ways. And and before we get into the nitty gritty of what you've uncovered in terms of the impact on on the social or even the the, the environment aspects of, of mine closures, let's talk about what we are seeing when it comes to our commodities and group metals, and what the future is expected to be. I think, more holistically
2: for the industry. Yeah, so, of course, the biggest thing is we're seeing a shift away from coal globally, although this does vary. I mean, China and India still have huge demand, and most of our exports go there. Um, But, yeah, there's a shift away from coal, so demand and investment are declining. And then I think a really important sector to watch is the platinum um, the platinum group metals sector, where the shift to electric vehicles um, is reducing demand for PGMs, which are used in auto catalysts. So there is a risk that this just transition is not just about coal, it's also about platinum. And those are our two main um contributors to mining in South Africa. about We have about 230 operating mines, about a quarter of those are coal mines, and about a third of those are platinum and chrome mines. So this is really um, important for South Africa, uh, looking at how this these global shifts are going to reduce demand. But on the other side, there's also opportunity, because we're seeing a huge uh, growth in in metals that are going to be required for for green energy, um, so copper, um, manganese, vanadium, rare earths, we're seeing this growth in demand, and so growth in exploration and interest um, in South Africa for those commodities. So there's also there's risks, but there's also opportunities.
1: When we look at um, the the industry more broadly, there also seems to be a shift. Um, particularly from the big players, for the decommissioning of of unprofitable mines. Now, that could um, seem like something that would be insignificant because these are mines that are already not doing well, Uh, but it's not necessarily the case, is it?
2: It's quite a complex um, sort of calculation because what goes into determining whether the mine's profitable, there's a host of factors. There's operating costs. So load shedding is having a big uh, negative cost, um, th- but then there's global demand and supply from other places. Um, there's environmental costs. Uh, th- there's a whole host of of different factors to take into account. Um, so, I mean, what? So, for example, what we've seen in the far west rand, sort of south um, west of Johannesburg, is we've A lot of gold mines are nearing the end of their life of mine, but they are deep level underground mines that operate at very high costs. One of those mines, South Deep, has has closed down, mechanized and reopened and now has like a hundred year mining ahead of it. So how you operate in the mine, the methods you use, the efficiencies you implement can have a big impact on whether the mine needs to close or not the the the
1: gold um the gold sector when it comes to mining um and and th- this conversation of of decommissioning where are we with that because one also gets the sense at least from um part of your report that the gold mine sector is also going to be quite severely affected
2: yeah and that's largely because we've been mining those areas since the 1880s so we've had a 140 years of gold mining in the Witwatersrand. And so we're just coming to the end of the resource. Um, Those are very difficult mines to operate because uh, we're already at, we have the deepest mines in the world uh, in that area. And they go down to three kilometers deep and that makes it just very difficult technically and also for the people working down there um, to operate at a a cost um, that is financially viable. So those, that's where the risk comes there is we're just sort of coming to the end of the resource.
1: So what then were you looking at when you were trying to answer this question of what the impact of mining closures would be?
2: Yeah, so we looked at the social, economic and environmental impacts, so all risks. And what this was really a national study to try and get a sense of where are the areas we need to prioritise, um, where should government focus their their programs and interventions, um, and and also to communicate communicate to the communities and put the information in their hands and just say you're living close to these mines and these are the um, this is when they're likely to close and these are p- potential impacts. So um we put together a whole host of indicators so what, what could we said what could we measure um and so, so on the social side how many jobs will be affected how will the local economy be affected how big is the population that's exposed to this closure um so there's a whole host of indicators to say okay well w- which areas are at greater risk than others so it's a, a comparison of all the mines in the country um and then you can compare different commodities, different provinces. Um, And then it also comes with a huge uh, rich data set that then can be interrogated by government, by the mining companies themselves, by the communities, by civil society. Um, So it was really trying to put information in the hands of people who have to make hard decisions um, or have to adapt to the change, the transition that's going to happen. Biza, let me bring you in here because, of course,
1: this has also been um, a national conversation, and unions have been uh, partly at the forefront of this conversation, mostly arguing uh, for the non-closure of these mines. When you sit and look at where industry is moving to, what position do you take? Um, firstly, we we
0: want to indicate as the national. As, um, as, as things that you uh, predict of the future of South Africa without without mining. And because this is the backbone and um, of the countries, and it talks to economic it is it, it employs particularly the, 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 the areas we are. All right,
1: Biza, we're going to have to try and get you back on the line. Unfortunately, um, that line is simply not great. Apologies for that. So Megan, let me continue with you then. I want to talk about what you have found in your research and in particular, the mines that are facing the highest risk of closure now and which parts of the country they lie in. Mm.
2: Yeah, so what we see, there's about Forty-eight mines that have a life of mine of ten years or less. So in the next decade, um, they are likely to close. This is um, this is based on the current uh, reporting from mining companies, and if you know the prices change or operating costs change, those numbers could change. But yeah, we've probably got about fifty mines that will close, and the majority of these are coal mines in Mpumalanga and a few in KwaZulu Natal and then some mines in the gold mines in Gauteng and Free State. So that's Those are the biggest risk. Um. When we look at the
1: impact, right, there is an entire ecosystem that is built around mining. So the conversation around closing a mine has to then also take into account that ecosystem. What have you found to be um, the impact of the mine closures that have already taken place so far from what you're able to see in your study?
2: Yeah, so this this study is really looking forward, saying which operating mines will close in the future. It's it's not particularly focused on our past, but I um, have done some research on that, looking at the main areas in South Africa where mines have closed, and that being the Copper Belt in Okeep so that's Namakoland in the Northern Cape, um, we've seen all the asbestos mines closing when the health issues were raised. Um, we've seen tin mines closing up in Limpopo. And then I think most interesting for the, the present time is the closures in the in the free state goldfields and also the coal mine closures in KwaZulu-Natal. In the 1980s and 1990s, we actually saw a huge number of Coal mines close in KwaZulu Natal. About twenty five thousand people lost their jobs. Um, but there's very little sort of research on what actually happened. Um, uh, what is available is shows that there was a shift to tourism. So I mean, there's this this looking for economic diversification. What are the alternative uh, economic activities that can be done in those areas? Um, but We don't really have uh, sort of a great set of case studies on successes and how to do this best. Um, I think what's critical is is planning in advance instead of waiting for closure to happen. Um, And so sort of embedding it into the operating life of the mine, while you're operating, you should be looking at what's going to happen after closure. And that's, I think, responsibility of both the, the mining companies but also the uh, local and provincial governments. Mm-hmm. saying so we can't, we know mining is finite. it will the, the mine will close inevitably because the resource is depleted. So what's going to happen uh, to those communities, particularly when those mines close? Megan,
1: part of what we see when we have this conversation around um, mine closures, but also just the, the shift to a cleaner or greener energy, is that there seems to be a, an equal trade-off where... Um, you know if you had 2000 my2,000 uh, workers employed at a particular uh, mine those people would still find employment except now it will be perhaps you know in the production of something else and and uh, I'm talking here also from some of the plans that had been earmarked for the komati power station and and and, and the pilot project taking place there are you finding though the reality is that that trade-off is an equal one? And how long does it take before we
2: see that stabilisation? Yeah, I mean, we don't have a complete study looking at at all those numbers. There's a lot of economic analysis that needs to happen. Um, But what we can see is that the skills levels um, of mine workers vary considerably. um, And those at the at the upper end, the highly skilled workers, those will probably be fine. They'll be able to find another job in, in, in the mining industry or elsewhere. But we have a lot of unskilled or very low-skilled workers who may struggle, um, particularly if the, the the replacements, say particularly with coal, we close down the mines, they're all in Mpumalanga. But where the best solar and wind farms are going to be is Northern Cape. There's this geographical Shift of jobs, and that's the biggest concern in Mpumalanga. Um, is is the you know the shift people don't want to migrate across the country uh, to find jobs. So will these lower skilled workers be able to find a job? Um, and we really don't. There's not enough research on on post coal mine closures to say. Um, I think that what's come out of the research on the the gold mining areas is is not good is that there is big job loss and it has a big negative impact on the local economies. Biza,
1: let me bring you in. We've been able to get you back up on the line, and it's on our, our WhatsApp line. Biza Mutubatsi is the regional chairperson of the Nan- National Union of Mine Workers in in the Highveld. So, Biza, you were telling us about the position of, of the union. Megan is saying the change is inevitable. I guess what people need to be asking now is how to best prepare for that change.
0: Yes, thanks, uh, Kathy. We, we were saying that um, mining, as 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 we are speaking now, it remains the bedrock of South African's economy. Uh, so, so when you think of closing a mine now, you are directly dealing with issues of 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 the perpetuation, in particular, of unemployment. Because when you look, in particular, the area where we are now, which is in Mpumalanga. And um, there's the, the, the there's I mean places such as Witbank, Middlebank, Ermelo and um, they are existing because of coal and uh, these are the places where um, um they've got an abundance of coal. So if you are just going to say that mining must just be uh, get rid of and and, and 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 life will continue as normal, it is not going to be possible. that's number one. but number two, we also know that, um, as, as things stand, um, the electricity of South Africa is being generated through coal. So so it's 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 one issue that is very much important um, when it comes to, to the economy, that you can't run an economy without electricity effect. So the view of the NUM is that we cannot just rush into closing mining merely because um of the issue of emissions and so forth. There is a technology that, um, for an example, the Council for Geoscience in in, 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 in Exaru, um, they have embarked on a programme of creating what they call carbon capture. Um, um, It's a a technological system uh, um, that assists in arresting the, the emissions. So these are the things that we should be looking into because they will sustain employment. Because these mines and these power stations, they employ so many people, as opposed to the solar system that one can refer into. So we are saying that for the country to be able to move forward in terms of making sure that its citizens are employed, we should look into what exactly. And has embarked on because um, from where we are seated, there's nobody who came and said that carbon capture cannot work and carbon capture cannot assist, so we need to use carbon capture so that uh, in the process everybody can still remain employed and mining can continue. And by the way, it is not only in Tumalang, even when you look into China, And uh, uh, South Korea, they are in in carbon capture. Because these are the countries that are saying we are responsible and we don't want a situation where we'll we'll find our citizens uh, being unemployed. But the reality of the matter, Kate, is that when you look into these places that we have just uh, mentioned, you can't have an economic activity without mining in those areas.
1: So what then is the best thing to do right now Biza and particularly from the conversations that you are having with mining companies is it about being able to reskill people now for whatever the future might hold
0: Look we were misled when Komati was uh, shut down that people will be reskilled and they will have a, pro- a program of agriculture uh, whereby people will be then be uh, reskilled and 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 participate in that particular um, um, agricultural uh, program. But as we are speaking with you now, nothing is happening there. Komati is closed. People who are residing uh, next to Komati, the pe- people in Bank and people in bank are suffering. They remain unemployed. So so as the National of Mine Workers, we are very much skeptical to say that reskill because. There are no programs to reskill these people. There are no programs that says after reskilling, this is how people will then continue and, 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 and getting employment and, and so forth. Because the result of the matter is that we need people to be employed so they can be able to feed their families. But as we are speaking, the closure of that power station created a chaos. So the issue of reskilling, it can be the first priority. The first priority should be to say these are the alternatives. And as we have indicated, the alternatives that were promised when Komati was closed, they are not to be found.
1: Megan, this this case study of, of Komati is proving to be quite a, an important one. Um, ESCOM did extensive research. I think there's about a 300-page uh, report that is available online before they even embarked on, on this program. Uh, and yet we sit here today with what is seemingly um, an unfulfilled commitment, but things not really working out as, as planned. Is this a pattern that you would say you, you, you see
2: in, in the data yeah, well, I think Kamati is the first of what's going to be quite a few coal-fired power stations closing in the next few years, and, and largely because of their age. Kamati was 60 years old, which was our oldest coal-fired power station. Um, and at that age, it's it's incredibly expensive to maintain. And we've got Camden, Hendrina, and Hridfle, all uh, planned, according to the latest IRP, are going to be closing in the next few years. Um, so yes, this is not this is not a good uh, sign that that what is promised with Kamati isn't isn't coming through, but it is the first. So hopefully we would learn the lessons from Komati um, when it comes to these other power stations.
1: We'll continue the, the conversation in a moment. And maybe, Megan, if, if we can uh, explore what has worked, you know, do we have um, examples, whether it's elsewhere in the world that we can be benchmarking ourselves against so that we are able to apply a formula that has at least yielded some results when it comes to cushioning the impact of the closure of mines. We'll continue the conversation in a moment. It's 1130. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at the impact of the closure of mines. This is uh, the impact that that has in communities. You heard uh, Dr. Megan Cole, who's a research fellow at UCT, saying that um, we're looking at at least 48 mines um, that are going to be possibly shutting down in the next 10 years. Uh, but of course, it, she's also identified 69 mines, um, particularly in in Bumalanga. That are at high risk of also uh, being closed down. Biza Mutubadze is a regional chairperson of the National Union of Mine Workers in the Haifeld. So, Megan, your research speaks to about six million people at least who are going to feel the impact of the closure of um these mines. Uh, l- let's talk about what those what that impact is. Have you been able to um specifically break it down so that for the policymakers who also read this research, they know where to go um, to start planning their interventions?
2: Yes. Yeah. So one of the um, really important components of this research is identifying who are these communities that will be affected. So let's not just talk about provinces or districts or even local municipalities, but let's look at the individual villages, the individual townships, um, the individual towns that are actually going to be affected. So the 6 million people are, are those people living in mining towns, um, in rural villages, in these communities that are situated close to a mine, um, or is where the the bulk of the employees live um, and commute to a mine. So yeah the 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 granular detail is really important and for each of these communities we've got a whole host of social indicators we're looking at their education levels their um, level of basic services um, the income levels so this whole host of um, measures to see how well could these people cope um, with closure and then I've also looked at the local municipalities because they are the ones who are going to be going to need to facilitate a just transition. We we know mines are going to close; that's inevitable. But we have to make sure that this transition is just, that people aren't left behind. Um, and government has a big role to play here, obviously. And those local uh, governments need to to know what will be happening, when will be happening. So we look at at the economic impacts in terms of job losses, but also um, economic losses. Um, But then I also look at the um, sort of financial performances of these local governments. And uh, we know many of our municipalities in South Africa are struggling. um, Their audit results from the auditor general Um, are coming back with with a lot of uh, concerns raised. And so there's this concern that as this transition happens, do we actually have the capacity um, at the local government level to ensure that the people um, are not left behind?
1: Let's speak about some of your recommendations, Megan, following this this research. What do you advise that mining companies, that government do?
2: Yeah, so... What is, what is a positive point is that these aren't all going to close overnight. This is going to be a, a slow process. Um, the mines are going to close as they, they come to the end of their resources. Um, and so we, we have time. Um, so then planning and budgeting is really important. Um, and so what, what I'm doing with all this data is saying you really need to consider a whole host of different aspects. You need to look at the environmental aspects. You need to look at the social aspects, the economic aspects and the governance aspects. So it's it's um, sort of calling on decision-makers to use all possible um, information at, that they have to hand and also to do it in, in engaging with stakeholders. Start by talking to the communities. What do those communities want? Do they want to stay in mining or do they want to do something else? Engage with the mining companies. Uh, Engage with civil society more broadly. There needs to be, you know, a much broader conversation about all the the, the possibilities. And something that's been um, interesting in the research is looking globally what's what's happening uh, at the international level. And this is this is a global challenge. Mine closure is a challenge in every country, um, but there's some very interesting research showing different different ways we can use the land and different economic activities. And so we instead of just having sort of one one option, we actually have a whole host of options. And it's sort of just considering what are all our options up front, and then what does the data say about the viability of those? And then what do the people actually want and what's what's possible? Lucky in Pretoria East
1: um is asking Biza, and this is a question for you. Um he says that your guest from the trade union is not answering the question on mines that are not economically viable. How do you keep such a mine open as a mining company? Are, the sol- are there solutions or even alternatives that you as um, unions are, are bringing to the table?
0: Well, we, we always do. We always do. If, if, if a mine is not running um, uh, in a manner that it was expected and um, the mind bosses will always approach us and will always bring suggestions as to what is it that uh, should happen. Because um, when a mine is is, is, is closing, uh, it, it it affects many people. So we always bring solutions and suggestions to those minds as to say, this is what maybe the mind bosses must do so that they can be able to, to make profit at the end of the day. Because we still want to see the employees uh, and in many cases, the employees of those mines are the ones that are residing um, uh, not far from the mine, so we still want to see them uh, uh, employed and, and so forth. But again, you know that when a mine is, is closing, it, 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 it increases the, the the number or, 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 or yeah the number of people who are unemployed. For an example, I think we are above just 32% in South Africa. So once you close the mine, it goes up. So th- these are the things that we always try to avoid as a t- trade union. And there are many mine bosses who have uh, approached us to say, we are not making a profit. We have got these challenges. What do we do? And we give uh, 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 solutions and, and suggestions to those mine bosses. Do you find that
1: the... The, the consultation visa with stakeholders takes place in the way that that Megan has said that the conversation around closures really has to begin with communities and and what they also want
0: to see happen um in their area no 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 there, there are no consultations at all and uh, we've been saying this, even when Komati was closed, uh, there was no consultation, but we know that there are those who are claiming that there was a, a consultation. Even now, communities of Komati they are calling us on a daily basis, asking, because they've got a uh, hope that that particular power station at some point will will be recommissioned, because they were never taken through. As to this is what is going to happen, and after a, a power station has been closed, closed, these are the expectations. So there were no proper consultations with the communities of the power station that is uh, around um, um, uh, that particular. What is painful the way Kathy, in Komati, there is a primary school there. This primary school used to rely on Komati power stations for donation. So now because Komati is closed, the primary school is suffering there. So you can see that this issue of just any transition does not only deal with the current employment, but it also deals with the future generation. Because we went there and engaged with the with the teachers, then the principal, they're telling us that since this power station was closed, we the SSS as a school. So so these are the things that uh, as part of consultation, they must be looked into as to. Uh, the mitigation factors and and so forth. But to answer to your question, there are no proper and adequate consultations that are being embarked on as and when a power station is about to be closed.
1: Megan, that that is a, that is a a big problem, especially when it comes to then having the buy in from the communities um, to support whatever initiative. Or, or action is taking place that, that, of course, directly affects their lives. And it is legislated, but why are we not seeing it happening?
2: Well, I think what we're seeing is generally the mining companies engage at the local government level. Mm. Um, and there's an assumption that that. So, they sort of speak for the communities. Um, And what we see on the social and labor plans so, you know, there's a regulatory requirement that to get a license, you need a mining license, you need to put in place a social and labor plan. And in that, you've got to look at employee training, you've got to look at local economic development, and you're also meant to look at planning for retrenchments and mine closure and setting up something called a future forum which is really to engage with communities. So the the legislation and the the guidelines are in place, um, but what we see in those is generally the engagement is at local municipality level. There's not an engagement with who who are these particular communities and they can be very diverse. um, And yeah, and we see quite a, um, a range in implementation of this guideline, the social and labor plans from mining companies. They approach it in different ways. And what we need to see is the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy actually um, monitoring the implementation and ensuring that uh, how it's done meets the the guideline and and what was envisaged um, initially.
1: I want us to speak about the issue of the environment um, again, because it's also a big one. Mm -hmm. how mines are closed has a huge impact on the ability of the communities in which they were operating to actually be able to create new avenues um, new channels of of income what are we seeing in, in that regard
2: yeah so what we're actually seeing interestingly is mines aren't closing officially sort of that the paperwork isn't happening because when a mine closes then the Financial liability for the environment passes from the mining company to the state. And the state doesn't want to hold that responsibility. And um, so we get often we see mines go into what's called care and maintenance, and they're not actually closed um, because of, of this question of who's going to be responsible. Now, mines are supposed to put aside financial provisions for rehabilitation, which is meant to um deal with all the, the environmental impacts, but that doesn't seem to be um, being implemented um, properly. And, and we're also seeing concerns from uh, communities and other mining companies on if, if the mine closes, then who's going to sort of manage, say particularly on water, so in the underground gold mines, you need to dewater the mine. Um, and once a mine mining company, Leaves, then they stop doing that, and this can have negative impacts uh, on the ecosystems, but also on other mines in the area. So it's quite um, it's quite a difficult area, um, and you know we, we're really not seeing mines closing from a, a sort of certification uh, level because of this this concern over. Sort of long-term negative environmental impacts.
1: All right. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming onto the show to speak to us about your research. It's incredibly insightful, and the message from it, of course, is that um, you know all the stakeholders need to think really clearly and carefully um, about the kind of impact that mine closures have um, in in society, and try and and and, and see how best then to intervene so that the impact is not felt as badly as it has been in some instances. Biza, let me come to you and give you an opportunity, perhaps, to give us your closing remarks on this issue.
0: No, no, the the position of the NUM has has always been consistent to say that um, as opposed to closing mines, that will, of course, lead to unemployment we need to look into the technology that can uh, obviously capture the carbon because um, and, and, they, and and make the environment clean, because the issue is all about emissions, that um, they are making the environment to be very dirty. So maybe these other mining bosses, they need to consult with Exaro and look into how they've made it into making sure that um, they utilize uh, carbon capture for, for for utilization and and, and storage of carbon. Uh, so, we strongly believe that South Africa has resources that are in abundance. So, we should not be dictated by anybody just to say that we must close mines merely because they've got their own agenda. So, that will be the position of the national of, of mine workers.
1: Biza Mutubadze, let me thank you for your time. He's the regional chairperson of the National Union of Mine Workers in the high field. On that note, it brings us to the end of the talking point for today. We will be back uh, with you again tomorrow morning. Again, uh, apologies for those that have been having interruptions with the signal. CENTEC is working on it, so hopefully it will be resolved before the end of the day. Coming up at midday is the update at noon.